1: Welcome to Hub City Homers, episode 16. The big news of the day is Texas Tech baseball beating up on the Rangers' developmental team by a lot of runs to very, very little. Now, obviously, it's the Matt Wells-era news, though that baseball thing is happening as we speak. We'll be talking about that on the primer and during the basketball primer, probably slip into baseball. But like I said, big news. Matt Wells has been relieved of duty as the Texas Tech head coach, Sonny Cumbie, has been elevated to the interim coach of the program, and... We are looking at another coaching sh- search. It feels like we just got out of one with Matt Wells' hire a few years ago. I mean, this is just such a quick turnaround. We just had the big one in Mark Adams. Been a lot of big coaching moves at Texas Tech. Coach Wells will be fired after posting a 5-3 and three record overall. I believe he's 13-17. and 17. He never posted a winning record in the Big 12, and perhaps as important he had this season an 0 2 record at home in conference play. Most, uh, most significantly, perhaps, is the Kansas State loss in which Texas Tech thoroughly outplayed the Wildcats for most of that game and still managed to fail. All of this, though, sums up the Matt Wells era: the almost, the the close losses, the 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 belief that you know you just needed one or two better decisions from the coaching staff sums it up pretty nicely. However, for fun. Um, Tonight what we're going to do is our first topic, normally ask questions. Tonight we're going to do it kind of a little bit different, keep it a little free-flowing. We're going to go with topics. And the first topic we're going to discuss is just the Matt Wells era. What went wrong? What went right? How are you going to remember it? The legacy he leaves? Where is the program at as he's departing? We'll, of course, be talking a lot about coaches, the future of the program, the rest of the season, all that jazz. But I think it's important to pause for a minute and just assess as a sum, the sum of the Matt Wells era, how did we get here? And where are we actually right now? Um, So I'll go first to give Jack an idea of what the hell I'm talking about with the topic. Since we're not doing as pointed of a directional question, I'll, I'll, I'll take the first one. So I said this in my little intro, but I think what sums up the Matt Wells era is the almost. I think what tech fans will remember about this era the most is just pure frustration. He wasn't a popular hire. Um, I don't. I don't think he was treated fairly by tech fans. I know. I for one was very unexcited for this hire. Um, I thought that this was a bad hire by an AD who thought that he knew better than everybody else because he played football and took a chance on a guy who had really only had you know a couple successful seasons, one of which with Jordan Love. Um, He did not wow me. But because of that, he came in with extremely little support from the fan base. And I think that that feeds into this. I don't think you fire Matt Wells in three years if he had started with a a groundswell support. However, like I said, he's the coach of almost. He's in year one. You almost win several games you almost avoid a disastrous upset against Kansas. It was just it was just bad break after bad break because of coaching decisions, because of lack of discipline, and admittedly, sometimes just pure bad luck in year one. Year two rolls around. Expectations are ceiling low, are, are basement low, I should say. I mean, nobody expects this team to really perform, and they don't. They're not good. Um, the season gets off to a disaster start. Against another completely overmatched opponent in the FCSM Houston and it or excuse me Houston Baptist and it's just uh, it's just the one of the worst tech football games I've ever watched Tech is outplayed by an FCS opponent and just narrowly escapes defeat they do lodge one great win in beating up on a rank Oklahoma State team turned out Oklahoma State was not very good so even that the probably the best win of the Matt Wells era is significantly devalued and again, a lot of almost, almost lose to Kansas again. You know, you're you're all, almost beat Texas, blow that game. It's just, I I the, through two years, everybody's sitting there trying to explain that. Well, I think the program's in a better shape. I'm just sitting there the entire time, thinking to myself, we're almost in better shape, but I can't say definitively we are. So let's go to year three. In year three, we almost. Lose to Houston. The final score is extremely misleading. If Houston doesn't collapse in the second half, they beat Tech. And I mean, that was an all-out collapse by the Cougars for Tech to get by them. Tech almost loses to Stephen F. Austin. And again, that's another game where you could argue they probably should have. I think that there was a pass interference call missed late that likely would have allowed Stephen F. Austin to win that game. You're not competitive against TCU or Texas. You're blown out of both of those games, and then you almost get past Kansas State, who played one of the worst football games I've ever seen a Wildcat team play. I mean, they were horrendous in this game. Tech was the better team by a good degree and couldn't get it done just because of lack of discipline, stupid formations, some questionable play calling, some bad decisions by a quarterback, and you'd fall again. So that's to me, is the Matt Wells era. You were almost okay. He deserved to be fired because never once did I think that almost was going to become, you know, we did it. There was never a moment I thought the program's ready to turn a corner. Every time we took a step forward, I knew we were going to take six back because the next game would be another almost game. Almost got the momentum going. So that's how I'm going to remember the Matt Wells era.
0: I'm going to go with... I, I like the 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 track you're taking here. It, it was it is a tale of almost. Um, first, I I would like to say that I don't really have a problem with Matt Wells as a person. He seems like a good guy and all that nonsense. And you know, we do wish him nothing but the best um, going forward. And you know, I'm sure I'm not so sure that he doesn't really you know show out at his next uh stop wherever it may be i just don't think it's it, w- it wasn't a good fit i i felt like from the get-go it was a little forced uh as you mentioned uh it was kirby kind of saying you know i think i know better than everyone so this is the hire this is who we're taking and really yeah as you said no one really gave him a fair shake um he wasn't the it wasn't a splash hire and, and i think for a lot of tech fans it was the first time they were ever hearing of matt wells when they announced him in the presser um i think a lot of people didn't know who he was um you know i just feel like what really did him in more than anything and what i'll remember most um, I'll remember, you know, the positives, some of the positives that it, you know, he really did kind of change the culture here. Um, you know, from a team that really didn't recruit, I mean, he, I could, I feel like he was really in it for the kids and he really did care about all of his players for the most part. Um, however, it's just going to be the negatives that stick out because that's just the nature of this business. Um, I'm going to remember being out-recruited by Kansas and having the worst recruiting class in the Big 12 for one of the seasons. Um, the other two, he finished 8th and ninth uh, overall. Uh, you're not going to win very many games with that type of recruiting class. Um, it's almost kind of setting you up for failure to an extent. Uh, I really... I mean... For To an extent, you can win with anyone if you really need to, but if you try and tell me that you had the option of getting a five-star running back or a two-star running back, I think you're going to tell me you want the five-star every single time. Um, it's just inconsistency. He never won back-to-back Big 12 games, not once. Um he is he finished seven and 16 in big 12 conference play overall that's really not good um, I do think uh, from what I've been seeing uh, you know the final straw was this past weekend against Kansas State I think uh, I think the Texas and TCU games this year made it a lot easier kind of pushed the door open so to speak and uh, the this game kind of just Propped it open and said, "It's time to go." Um, you get you get out gained three seventy seven to three eighteen in this game against Kansas State. Uh, your defense comes up with turnovers, and the thing is, they held Kansas State rushing in check. I felt like for the most part, the defense played pretty well this weekend, um, but it just wasn't a good offensive scheme in the second half. Um, you're, you're, you got beat by a team that committed 12 penalties for 93 yards. Um, they controlled the ball for 11 more minutes. And this, to me, it, it kind of just... The thing that bugs me the most about this past weekend, it didn't make me feel any different than I had before. I, I don't know if you felt that at all, but I kind of have gotten to the point where I almost expected it. And I think that's that kind of just almost apathy, not complete apathy, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't expect tech to win. We were up 24 to 10 at half. And I was thinking to myself, I said, there's, (laughs) there's still way too much game to call this one. Where in the past, you know, you probably would have been like, yeah, you know, tech, Scored twenty four in the first half. That's a little low, I think. You know, but so we're going to come out pissed off and you know score twenty eight in the second half or thirty five in the second half. That that feeling has been so long forgotten for me, and that's just the one thing that stuck out in my head. Just as the as a casual fan, you know, Um, I really I didn't expect a team that scored fourteen points in the first. Three minutes of the game to win. I fully was preparing myself for a comeback loss, and that's exactly what happened. Um, you gotta, you gotta figure this thing out. And th- I honestly, this fan base is ready to jump behind someone that we can all agree on, and that's what Kirby said today in the presser. You know, he's trying to unify the fan base with a f- with a hire that everyone can get behind. And I think that's what this that's what this fan base is just begging for almost. They're they're ready to get behind someone that we can all cheer for and like. Like we we all cheered for Cliff. I mean, no, none of us wanted Cliff to fail, even though he did, just because he didn't recruit. He didn't like to recruit. He said it himself. He hated recruiting. But I just think that it was time. Uh, I think I really think it was time after the TCU game. Um, but I think they figure, you know, we'll see what he does with the next two games. And this just wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna fly. Um, like I said, I have nothing. I wish nothing but the best for him and his family. Um, but it's time to move on. And, uh, I'm ready to discuss some of our options. So how about, how about it?
1: Yeah, I just, I, I think that, you know, the Matwell's era is best left in the past as an era in which, you know, we didn't, I don't think the program, you know, was run badly. I, I just think that it's apparent. He wasn't well right for this job. He wasn't right for this this situation maybe he's just not up to it yet so you know i i don't think that you look back on this era and think that he didn't try or didn't care um and I, i hope tech fans look back on this and see a guy who did try and did care and just wasn't up for it you know as frustrating as it as it is you know sometimes you're just not up for the job and that that's what happened so you know it it's it's very disappointing for any number of reasons that we're back in this situation, but we are back in this situation. So we are going to start discussing some coaching potentials, maybe some names that are not, you know, probably likely, but could be fun hires just for the sake of speculation. Um, And we're going to start with a disclaimer and I'm going to use language here that, you know, if you're more sensitive, this is an explicit podcast, but if you are more sensitive, I, I advise you to, you know, plug your ears for a minute. Because this this needs to be said. Fuck Art Bryles and anybody who would want him to come to Texas Tech. I'm sick of this crap. Every time we have a coaching controversy, whatever you want to call it, I have to listen to people try to tell me why Art Briles should come to Texas Tech. So let's ignore the fact that it doesn't even necessarily matter what you think he did or didn't do. Let, let, let's ignore that for a minute and just focus on the fact that it would destroy the program to do it. It'd fracture the fan base in half. We'd be a pariah. I guarantee you teams would try to get out of games, and it would just be an all-around disaster. Now let's look back on the fact that, at best, what you can argue that Art Briles did was he let his program run completely wild without his oversight. Why would you want that at Tech? I, I just don't understand it. I'm sick of it. I, I don't like talking about it, but every year that this kind of stuff starts to rumble around. And now that we actually have an opening, we have to see the national media is jumping on it. We have to see the three tech fans who won in all over the place spouting just dumb shit about Art Bryles. So I'll say it again. And again, I apologize for the language, but it needs to be said, fuck Art Bryles and anybody who'd wanted to come here. Um, I'm gonna hand it off to Jack first with coaching, uh, with his his list of potential coaches. Uh, but I wanted to just get that out there. Now we're not going to talk about Bryles anymore than we have to, and it only for me to continue to say he sucks and he's a bad guy. So Jack, I'm throwing it back to you.
0: I think that's very well said.
1: Uh, first, uh, we'll go ahead
0: and address the two main. Uh, candidates that I'm sure probably most people have heard by now. Uh, the top two that are being considered are most likely Jeff Traylor from uh, Texas San Antonio and uh, Sonny Dykes from SMU. Uh, Jeff Trailer, obviously being a huge, uh, long-time high school coach at Gilmer where he won three state titles. Uh, they named the stadium after him. Uh, you know, he, he was an assistant coach at SMU in 2017. Uh, he was at Arkansas for a little bit, uh, before taking the job at UTSA. Uh, his first season at UTSA, he goes seven and five and they went to a bowl game. And right now, as we speak, he is eight and O this year. And if you look at the, uh, if you look at the schedule, it's not beyond a reasonable doubt that he possibly could have them finishing undefeated. They really, they mean. I think they had a pretty big test this past weekend uh, at Louisiana Tech, and and they won that. So uh, it's fairly possible that they end up undefeated. Um, pros for him, you know, he's a proven high school coach. He recruits very well. He can recruit if he can get that type of talent to UTSA to to, you know, have them on a positive note, then he's plugged in. He knows who he can and can't get. And uh I think he'd be able to sell Lubbock. I mean, he's being he's able to sell UTSA to some of these kids, so I don't see why he wouldn't be able to sell Lubbock. a uh, couple of cons, he doesn't really have a lot of D one experience. He's been at UTSA. He's in the middle of his second year. Um, you know, experience is something we'll get into uh, with uh, with these lists. Um, I think that would probably be his only kind of knock against him. And the fact that he's never really... He has coached in the Power Five, but he's obviously never been a head coach in the Power Five. Um, and neither was... Neither had matt wells and neither had cliff kingsbury so and we know how all that went um next you have sonny dykes uh sonny dykes has coached at cal in louisiana tech he's now at smu obviously for all of our for all of our hub city homers um the dykes name rings loudly in lubbock it always has and it probably always will um his dad, Spike Dykes, coached uh, Tech from 86 to 99. Um, so the Dykes name, like I said, carries a lot of weight in Lubbock. Um, he's He's got SMUs also undefeated so far this year. They're 7 and 0. They're ranked 19th. Um, he has kind of a mismatched record as a head coach, he's 70 and 58. I, I know he spent four years at Cal and that really didn't go well. Um, he spent three years at Louisiana tech kind of took them back to being relevant. And now he's, he's been pretty good uh, at SMU. I think the past three years they he's got like a record of like 24 and six, uh, something like that. So in the last 30 games, uh, Matt Wells was 13 and 17, and Dykes is 24 and six. Um, there is some potential that you don't get him to leave SMU. Um, also, we should probably talk about the fact that Trailer has already put out a statement saying that he's, you know, he's happy where he is, and da da da. And so, I we we had chatted about this a little before, but our assumption was that he's probably already been contacted. Um. So who knows how fast this is going to go? You have other names on here. Uh, bear with me. I'm just going to run through them. We'll we'll dive into them in a little bit. Um, not too not too much because those two uh, are definitely in an upper echelon above the rest of these guys. Uh, as far as we know, um, you have Jeff Lebby from Ole Miss. Uh, you have Jay Norvell at Nevada. You have Kendall Bryles from Arkansas. Um, you, I mean, as much as we hate to do replays of the past, you have to throw in Graham Harrell. Um, I don't think it's so far away to throw in uh, Joey McGuire from Baylor or uh, Billy Napier from Louisiana. I'll, I'll go ahead and end that there, um, just kind of as a preliminary sweep. But it is very apparent right now that trailer and Dykes are in an echelon above these other candidates at this point in time.
1: I think it's trailer's job. I, I think that I think one of the reasons this is moving faster um, than most people thought is I think that they know who their man is. Um, I think that this is a situation which is similar to hiring Mark Adams. The most obvious answer is right in front of you, don't screw it up. You know, I think that there is risk that Dykes turns you down. And the one thing that cannot happen to Tech this cycle is getting turned down by somebody. It can't happen. It would be a, a massive blow to the program to lose a bidding war over a guy like Sonny Dykes. Um, however, that being said, I think that Dykes would leave. I think that what happened to the AAC really damaged SMU's chances of retaining him because they're never going to get into an elite league. Um, You know, I was listening to Tech Talk today, and Chris Lovell and them got that question. You know, would he stay? Here's reality. SMU's not a player in Big 12 expansion, and I don't think anybody's going to take them outside of the Big 12. So they're stuck in a conference that now includes FAU and North Texas and Rice. I mean, it's just a joke of a conference now, and I think that hurts SMU's chances a lot. That isn't to say they don't have deep pockets, and that isn't to say he has... You know he seems to be very happy in Dallas, but I, I think you could get him. I'm just saying that I think if Tech has to pick between him and Trailer, and you you think Trailer is going to say yes, you don't worry about Dyches. You take trailer, You take Trailer because I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Um, like you said, Trailer has deep ties to the Texas high school recruiting scene, which is important. It, it can't be understated that you know I like to believe Tech is as is, is not as hard of a job as people make it out to be, but it is critical that you recruit Texas well. You know, that's true of any Texas program, but it's especially true for tech because you don't have the clout to go national and knock out some of these other, you know, regional uh, uh, rivals to try to grab, you know, people out of Oklahoma and then go or try to go into farm country and grab some big boys, you know, stuff like that. You don't, you can't do that like A&M and Texas do. So you need to really focus on locking down West Texas, beating out Baylor and TCU and SMU In the Dallas Fort Worth area, and making some inroads into Houston to fend off the Cougars. Um, so that that it can't be understated. Sunny Dykes, the Cal situation, guys. It's Cal. You know, I mean, they're they're never going to win at Cal. You know, Tech is is a job. A lot of people are like, this is a hard job. You want to go coach at Cal? You're not even the smart school in California. That's stain. I mean, you've got nothing. Your best years came with Aaron Rodgers. And that's it. That's all the winning history Cal has. Um, you know, you've got USC and UCLA locking up the best recruiting territory. And like I said, you're not the smart school because Stanford is. So you've got nothing to offer these kids that they can't get somewhere else. And that that's just a really, really tough job. And I think he arguably left Cal, you know, about where he found it, if not a little bit better. Um, you know, I, I just I think that that's an overblown concern. It, it, it can't be understated how difficult the jobs are at UTSA and SMU. Uh, I've heard people turn to say, well, SMU is in a fertile recruiting country. Until, name, let's, let's, let's just be honest, until Sonny Dykes takes over the program, they're losing all of those recruiting battles to TCU, Baylor, and Tech. It's only under him that that's flipped. Uh, I mean, even Chad Morris's best SMU teams were like seven wins. I mean, this is an unprecedented turnaround of a program. Um, to get SMU back on the national stage. Because they they just, uh, as much as we like to talk about Dallas and Fort Worth, I if you've never been to SMU, um, one, it's a beautiful campus, but two, it is a small Methodist school in the middle of Dallas, and it, it has that kind of vibe, if you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't necessarily scream great college environment. Um, it's not a bad school. It's a great school. I'm just saying that it's not like your typical... You know, really appealing place for college kids to go play when they can go to any other schools in Texas. So he's done a great job there locking up his his area, his territory, and recruiting well. Jeff Trailer at UTSA had an even harder job. Winning at UTSA is probably one of the more improbable things you can do. Um, you're a system school. You're a recent program. You're competing against uh, um, every Texas school. You're competing against, you know, all of the SEC coming knocking, all these guys, and you're you're left with scraps after those guys take the best. I mean, as much as we think Tech struggles to get up virtual on talent, I'd have to go look at UTSA's recruiting classes before Trailer got there and after. But, you know, what he's done is improbable, is just extremely exemplary to build something out of those scraps, to be a team that I think is deservedably, you know, a top 25 team. Um, you know, beating Illinois was not easy. You know, it, it was not easy to do. They just knocked off Penn State in the most hysterical football game ever played. So, you know, the, the, those two guys are both great hires. You know, that that's that's like Jack said. If you're saying who's the upper crust, it's them. He ran off some other names, and it, I'll, I'll take a brief minute to talk about them. I don't think you're going to touch a Bryles, but Kendall Bryles is an option. There are some people who are excited about what he's done at Arkansas. Um, other names I've seen thrown around is Sonny Cumbie. Don't underestimate Sonny Cumbie in this situation. If Tech responds to him over these four games, there is a serious chance he could get the job. Especially, and it starts this weekend, if you knock off OU or look really good in that game, he's going to move up the list. They want him at Tech. I guarantee that. He is a guy that... There are. They will do whatever it takes to retain him, whoever the next coach is. So he has a serious chance to play himself into position. Um,
0: so keep an eye on I, him. He's yeah, just, I I, for, I had forgotten that, and I do want to add that in there. Um, just just ditto everything you said. Do not uh, do not overlook Sonny Cumbie in this situation.
1: Yeah, I mean he he's going to be there. I think at in one way or another. As a guy that gets talked about um, another guy I think people might sleep on is Graham Harrell. I think we'll get more attention than you think because um, his ties to tech are so deep and you're really looking for a hire to bring the fan base together. But Graham Harrell, Joey McGuire, and really even a guy like Brett Venables, who's like a way outside, you know, name that people like um, these coordinators who have never been head coaches. That's the problem. Um, they're, they're, you, you're taking a chance with this hire, no matter who you go get, because you're not, you're not Texas or A&M or these schools where you're poaching proven winners, um, from power five schools. But the guys who have never had head coaching experience are extremely risky. And I think tech is going to be risk averse. So if you're asking me, I think this is trailer's job, but those are just to a few of the names that are, you know, bounced around in in the techosphere as, as being names people would like. So for the sake of fun, I'm going to toss this back to Jack. Jack, I'm, I'm not reality be damned here. You know, you have get three names. You can pick your top three, any coach in the country, other than Nick Saban and um, anybody of that caliber. So coaches like at other major defensive coordinators, major offensive coordinators, guys who have no business coaching at Tech, who's your top three in that world?
0: I think the one that made me laugh the most today—I saw someone lobbying for Deion Sanders. Uh, that would definitely be a an interesting situation in Lubbock. I don't know if I would ever uh, recover from seeing that. Uh, but go ahead and throw them on the list. Um, you know, if I had an option, I—I I think I would probably poach a Big Twelve. <laughs> Coach and I'd probably want to, or I'd probably try and poach Matt Campbell. Um, Like you mentioned, with uh, it can't be understated what Trailer and Dykes have done at those programs. I, it can definitely not be understated what has happened at Iowa State over the past five years. Um, I, I can't even begin to describe it. If you were to tell me that would have was going to happen when they hired him. I would have called you crazy. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's up there recruiting in the heart of Big Ten country, having to battle with Iowa, who is in the top five not too long ago for recruits. Uh, you're, like you said, battling with all the Big Ten people, Nebraska, um, you know, Ohio State, uh, Indiana, Penn State, all those, all those guys, all those blue bloods. Notre Dame, you're, you're dealing with them, too, up in that area. So, you know, what he has done at Iowa State is damn near impossible, and he's done it very quickly. Um, I think in the second – I think the first year they were three – and or they were five and seven in his first year, I think. Don't take me to the bank on that. But I know in the second year they were in a bowl game. Uh, and now three or four years after he's been hired, they're playing and beating Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. So um I really I really do admire what Matt Campbell's done at Iowa State. Um for other coach I mean, I don't know. <sighs> I mean, I obviously you want to go with someone not like Nick Saban, but um I wouldn't want anyone in the state of Texas. Uh, I don't, I personally don't think Jimbo Fisher's that impressive of a coach. He has a very similar record to Kevin Sumlin had at A&M and they fired him. So um, it, Jimbo Fisher really doesn't do it for me. Uh, Sark doesn't do it for me. Um, you know, I, I really keep it to the, I, I really don't see anyone that really just wows me that is in like the you know, just regular sphere of things that are actually names that tech could pull off. Um I mean, like I said, I would I would poach Matt Campbell, if I'm being honest. He could proven that he can recruit. If you can recruit to Ames, Iowa, then you can recruit to Lubbock, Texas. I'm telling you right now, that's why I hate, I absolutely hate when people say that it's impossible to recruit to Lubbock, because it's not. It's not impossible to recruit to these small towns. And Lubbock's really not that small. Lubbock has a quarter million people. So it's really not that small. And if you can have someone like Matt Campbell recruit to Ames, Iowa, no offense to all the Iowa people, because I know Kendall will probably hear this and yell at me about saying stuff about Iowa. But if you can recruit to Ames, Iowa, you can recruit to damn near anywhere. And Lubbock is not that hard of a sell.
1: Yeah, I think that for me, if you're talking like way the hell out here, impossible hires that, you know, I would want Tech to consider, Matt Campbell tops that list. And I want to make sure the context of this is understood. We are not suggesting Tech is targeting Matt Campbell, has any chance of getting Matt Campbell. I think we're just saying that that's the kind of coach if you could get, you know, at all, I think he's at the top of everybody's list. Um, some of the crazier names, you know, I actually don't hate Deion Sanders as a name. And the reason why is pretty simple. It's because he's flashy. I think he probably can coach pretty well. But, you know, the biggest thing about Deion Sanders coming to Tech would just be it'd be a great story. You'd be talked about. There'd be a ton of attention. You'd have a great recruiting cycle. And then we find out if he can coach or not at this level pretty quickly after that. Um, Venables is a name I mentioned as being, you know, kind of way out there. But you know I, I think that that's a name I'd like tech to consider in a world in which you could pull that off and once again the context of this particular conversation is if you if, if reality wasn't really a factor who should tech target so nobody you know come after us later for some of these names but uh, another guy I really really like is is uh, head coach out at um, Coastal, Caldwell oh, yeah, Chadwell Chadwell yeah Chadwell Chadwell, he's, I think, I like him. I I think that, I think that as much as we value Texas ties, if, if we're talking all time improbable coaching turnarounds, you know, there's Iowa state turning around, there's Baylor recovering, there's, you know, uh, 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 SMU, UTSA. Um, there's, you know, if UConn ever figured it out, coastal Carolina suddenly becoming a superpower basically overnight, by the way, I mean, this was year one to year two the complete script flip. Um, I I couldn't have predicted it. I think he could do it here. So those are some of those names for they're they're crazy. It's not going to happen. They won't even be talked about. But those are some names that I think would be fun if Tech was you know you know throwing a little bit of uh, a little bit of mustard towards some of these guys to see if they're if they're biting. But um, it's not going to happen uh, again. Cannot emphasize this enough. Please don't come to us later saying that we advocated Matt Campbell's coming to Texas Tech. It's not going to happen. It's just wouldn't it be fun if kind of conversation. Um, and moreover, I think one thing to consider with with uh, uh, this hire and these kind of way out there names is don't be surprised if crap gets weird if Sonny Dykes and Jeff Trailer are not the guys. After those two, there is no clear cut number three. You know there are a bunch of guys scrapping it out. I think Level said it best. If those two guys fall through, you know you could see Mike Leach's name get tossed around. You could see um, 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 shit. Brett Venables' name get tossed around. You could see Joey McGuire's name tossed around. You could see you could see Chadwell's name tossed around. It just there's a lot that'll happen if the top two guys fall through. But it just seems very likely at this point that that the the committee which we're going to talk about. Jack and I were discussing this a bit before. Um, the committee has already basically decided the two guys they're going to target. And we're. I think that they're going to offer the one they think will accept. So that'll be happening with you know, behind-the-scene agents. Um, both of those guys are going to be leaking like crazy. And I want to say this. About Jeff Trailer's statement, I think it's a bad news bear situation if your head coach is already fending off the rumor. Um, when you see coaches get that defensive – historically to me, that tells me that they, they've they been contacted and they think that they're going to take the job. Um, I don't remember many times where guys have gotten that over the top. I'm committed. I'm so committed. Look how committed I am and not left. You know, Tom Herman's a great example. Jimbo Fisher's a great example. Name any G5 coach that's gone up to the Power 5 ranks over the last five years. They've all released that statement. And to do it the day of your name being thrown in for a major job offer. If I'm a UTSA fan, for one, I would hope I'm not delusional enough to think that you you have any chance of outbidding Tech. Um, but two, I would be worried. because um, I'm going to say this again. If Tech can't beat UTSA for head football coach, burn the program down. Burn it down. Just stop playing football. Because if you can't outbid UTSA, who plays in what th- is basically a dying conference, then you're, 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 you're just, what, what's the point? I mean, they're going to the AAC, which is now awful. So that's their big step up. So I, I'm i going to get off my, stop bashing UTSA because I love what they're doing over there. I'm just saying it, it, it is, it feels delusional to believe there's any reason Jeff Trailer doesn't take the job. Um, if he's offered, unless he's waiting for a better job, you know, if he thinks LSU sniffing around, if he thinks, uh, uh, some of these other bigger jobs might open up. If AM might have a vacancy soon, you know, it, it it that could be a situation I see you struggling to get him. Which is again one of the reasons I think Ho moved moves so fast to make this decision now, so that he could get ahead of that. Which brings me to our next topic: Was this the right time? Um, it's a pretty simple question. I'll, uh, I'll take it first and hand it over to Jack. I think it's it's a question in a lot of people's mind, and I want Jack to get to his thoughts in the search committee. So he'll be talking about that as well in his segment, because I think they're really interesting. Uh, but for me, is this the right time? Yeah. I think if you know this is going to happen, if you think this is inevitable, if you're if you're convinced he can't turn it around, move on. You know, rip the bandaid off. Let Cumby audition a little bit for the job. Let the, let the guys who might transfer, you know, watch the coaching search process play out and really have time to decide if they're going to stay when the new guy's hired. Give yourself a chance to get ahead of everybody else. You know, there are national media guides, and Joe Clapp, by the way, and this is another one of those plug your ears, and this is mean-spirited, but I don't care. He's a dipshit for tweeting that. I cannot believe a guy who has not paid any attention to tech football all year has the balls to step up on national media with his huge following and say they, they're they doing it wrong because they're 5-3 and three and they're firing their coach. It just tells me he's not watching. You know, he gets paid a lot of money to not watch football, apparently, because he hasn't been watching tech. So any of that stuff from the national media, any of that from Woolley's five and three. I tweeted it. I, I'm about to throw hands with the next person I hear that from because it's just idiotic. You know, the program was five and three because they beat some really, really bad football teams. A bad West Virginia team. Houston collapsed in the second half. They barely beat SFA. They struggled in the first half against FIU, which we forget because the final score was so big. And then they took care of a really, 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 maybe one of the worst Kansas teams of the last few years. Uh, And you got
0: boat boat raced by a very bad TCU team who just lost to West Virginia.
1: Your losses are awful. Texas is not very good. TCU is really bad. Um, Kansas State is hysterically bad. I, I was stunned by how terrible they looked against tech. And I don't think they'll win many games. So, you know, ignore all that crap. And just remember that you're firing a coach who's five and three because of the sum total of his wins and losses. But when he can't win with a 14 point lead at half against that Kansas state team, when he can't stay in the game against TCU in Texas, when he struggles to beat Kansas two out of three years, there's a serious problem. And that that's why he was fired. I'm all about the timing. I feel for Wells. I know it sucks to get let go and you still have games left on the schedule, but I I don't see tech winning any more games. So rip the bandaid off and let's get on the next tire. So now I'm going to toss it to Jack with the same question and his thoughts on general on the search committee being formed.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, well, I do want to say I agree with that. Um, I think it was the right time. Uh, I I like the idea of doing it now and getting a head start on the process of, you know, talking to people and kind of doing it before everyone else. If you, I mean, obviously, let's be real. If you don't think LSU's already contacted who they want, then you have your head in the in the sand. Um, same with USC if you think USC hasn't contacted who they want or have been sniffing around or whatever, then you have no idea what's going on. Uh, I, I think in all reality, those programs reached out the day that they got rid of their head coaches. And I believe that Texas tech was in the same fashion. I believe that they have probably already reached out, um, even regardless of if it's something material or just a feeler. um, But with that, uh, I do want to take a look at this committee uh, that has been formed to go and uh, look at these coaches. Um, You obviously have Kirby Hokut, your AD. Uh, You have Hernandez, who's the uh, associate AD. Um, And then you have Womble, who obviously we knew. The interesting one to me, that the guy that I found really interesting, well, also, let me first address, you have Sammy Morris, tech legend, played in the NFL, on the staff as a uh, player development, in player development right now. Great guy. Um, you know, he'll help out tremendously. I want to talk about the guy I haven't mentioned, and that's Cody Campbell. Um, Cody Campbell, if you don't know who he is, he is a... Big money donor for the red rate for Texas tech athletics Um, works in Midland for a place called double Eagle. So if you ever hear uh, any people or anyone talking about tech donors and talking about the double Eagle guys, Cody Campbell is one of them. Um, They donate a lot of money to tech athletics and to the university itself every year. Um, You might remember him in the last coaching search uh, being the one that had a private plane on the tarmac at Lubbock international airport uh, waiting on Kirby Hoka to board so they could go up to Morgantown and talk to Dana Holgerson before he got fired and went or before he left and went to Houston. Um, Kirby Hoka stood him up on that flight and, never showed up instead called him and said, I've already made a hire and it's Matt Wells. Here we are three years down the line um, or in the third year. Um, I wouldn't really say what Holgerson's done at Houston has been that intriguing. Um, It doesn't really get me going, but Campbell was on the Holgerson train and he's also been a Bryles uh person in the past. I haven't really seen him talk too much about it recently. Uh, like I said, I really only follow him on Twitter and it's just because I know that he, uh, does donate a lot of money to Texas tech and Texas tech athletics. Um, so he's kind of the odd man out. I really, he was very vocal in his disdain for Matt Wells. He never liked the hire and he was never really shy about telling people that he didn't like the hire. So I find this very interesting that Hoka would include him on this because he was pretty blatant in telling him that he was dead wrong about Matt Wells three years ago. And uh, like I said, here we are. Um, So I kind of, it's going to have some, you know, not disagreeing, uh, within the staff but it's gonna offer some different viewpoints for everyone which i think is never a bad thing when it comes to stuff like this um but that one was really surprising to me i actually started laughing when <laughs> i was watching the press conference this afternoon and kirby said his name i was like wow that's i did not see that one coming so uh, it's interesting that he's added on there um i know he i mean he was a big proponent of Mike Leach and everything like that. Um, I do want to kind of give some kind of expand on what you mentioned earlier Um, with these two guys, with the two main coaches that we've talked about. um, I cannot understate how wild it may get if those two guys fall through. Um, You're going to, there is no clear third option you're going to have a fan base that is all over scatterbrain wanting eight different people to come in. Um, there's going to be people in different camp for everyone. So I really think that it's almost um, just, it's very important that those, one of those first two guys is hired uh, if that's who they choose to go with. Uh, Cause once we get past that, it's, legitimately the wild west in Lubbock. So um I do wanna I do would want to hear your thoughts, Mike, about uh about this committee and how you think that they're gonna mesh and vibe together and stuff.
1: I think what happened with this committee is is one shows that Hokut probably doesn't have the leeway he had last time. Um he really went on a limb to hire Matt Wells. That was as we can rewrite history all we want. That was Kirby Hokut's guy, handpicked by him because somebody gave him a tip years ago to watch this guy. And because former players tend to do this as ADs and coaches, they think they know better than everybody else um, because they played the game. So he went out and got him. It's a long-running tradition of her, Kobe Hokut making the wrong football hire. And I think finally Tech has had enough. You know, this is hire number three he's making. He was bad at Miami doing the same thing. So now we're bringing in, I think what will be a true committee. Why do you have two big donors on the, on the committee? I think it boils down to, you want to back up the Brinks truck to whoever you're going to hire. Um, I think that that was a bit of a, a, a flex by the Texas tech administration saying, you know, you think you guys are rich. Let me show you what the West Texas oil money has done for these, for these cats. You know, well, well let me show you what the the most significant donors tech has can bring to bear because they are going after a guy like Sonny Dykes. SMU has got some rich alumni, folks. If we're going after Sonny Dykes, that is going to be a bidding war. And I think Tech wanted to show the the, the big money doos- boosters are going to be right behind this hire. You know, we're going to be throwing fat stacks at these guys to build their programs, uh, which is just where college football is going. The other part of this is I think the, the selection is interesting because that I think this shores up one position. This is the only other time I'll mention him on this show. I think it shores up Cut's flank against the Art Bryles crap because there are a lot of rich donors who are whiny as hell and bad dudes who who want to bring Bryles to Lubbock. And he's got his two biggest donors right on his shoulder saying, all right, you think you can muscle through that higher? Well, the real money, the guys who actually give money to tech, they ain't with you. They're with me. So I think that that was a little bit of a gang pose by him. Uh, Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but if you don't think this has gotten really tricky for him behind the scenes, he does not have much credibility left. You know, every move matters. Um, This is something Level talked about, too. You didn't go get a big national search committee, which is where some guys use that committee to throw their names around to get raises. So I think it'll be a very, very narrow list um, to start. And that's a good thing. You know, you don't want this to drag out. The longer this goes, the lower down the list you have to go to get a guy. The worse coach you get, and the less fan buy-in you get. Um, the other part about being a smaller committee made up of you know a tech legend, um, you, you you add a little bit of of, of uh, credibility to it. You know these are all these are guys who bleed Texas Tech. You've got you know famous athletes the athletic director who's built tech athletics and what it is today and two of your most significant donors and Womble being the most significant donor right alongside you. These are guys who everybody trusts to have the best interest of the university at heart because these I'm going to I speak for all tech fans when I say this. Does anybody trust the Board of Regents? No. I mean, these are the same assholes who fired Mike Leach. These are the same assholes who try to get browse here every year. These are the same assholes who will never admit they screwed up the Mike Leach situation and buried our program in dust for years. Nobody trusts them. So I think it's really good news that they built a committee that I think people will trust. You know, as long as you get a guy who's top four on your list, I don't think you're going to hear much complaining. Um if you get publicly swatted down by Sonny Dykes or Jeff Trailer, it'll hurt. But at least you know that if that happens, if so, if the worst goes down and you're you're out there in the Wild West looking for your, your number three coach, you got four guys who truly believe in this program trying to make it happen. So I, I like the assembled committee um, just from the stints that I think that it was the best you could do. And I like the idea that maybe to some degree, Hokut's not just going to be able to pick his guy because um, I don't trust him to be, you know, 100% the right hire kind of, you know, he hasn't demonstrated he can do that. So getting guys around him who might be able to provide some feedback um, and push back on him a little bit, I think it'll be good for him. I think it'll force him to think through his hires a bit more and not to focus as much on the guy like, Oh, I'm just convinced he's good. You know, cause that's what happened with Matt Wells somebody convinced him he was a good coach. He wouldn't hear anything. Otherwise he ignored everything. To the contrary. Like you said with Cody Campbell, he just straight up ignored everybody's wish to go after Holgerson tech might've dodged a bullet there. I don't know. I think Holgerson probably could have won at tech, but point being now you're going to have to, if he wants to go and get somebody, he's going to have to answer some questions more so than just always oh, had one or two good years. Cause I think with just a little bit more prodding, it would have come undone and Matt Wells wouldn't have been hired. If somebody had been able or in a position to really push back, I don't think cut could have intellectually flushed out enough of the reasons to hire Matt Wells to get him here. But he had absolute authority on that hire. So I we'll see how this plays out. Uh, th- I would like to believe Tech can't screw this up. They could. But I would like to believe that if you just focus on the two guys at the top, you can get this done. Uh, we're going to close out here. We didn't talk much about OU, and the reason why is... Does anybody really want to talk about what might be a really depressing Saturday night? Um, let's all just be pleasantly surprised if Tech's competitive in that game. How about that? Let's, let's all agree to do that. Um, we'll be pleasantly surprised if Tech's in that game. Um, so we're going to close it out here. P- feel free, guys. We love interacting with you on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts. Let Talk to the Viva account. Talk to our account. Um, talk to us individually. We'd love to hear from you. The only people I won't want to hear from are the Bryles people. But even then, you know, I might just say no, uh, anytime you mention his name, but you know, if you have an opinion, guys, we forgot about guys. You really would love to see in red and black, even if it's not that reasonable, we'd love to hear from you. So it was me and Jack tonight. Kendall was booked up and we just wanted to get this episode out as I've mentioned a billion times by now, Reed works for the program, and especially in this situation, would not be appropriate for him to speak on it. Be on the lookout. After the Oklahoma week, uh, we will be having our basketball primer, and we're going to be talking a little bit about baseball, who just finished up their game against the Rangers Development Rangers developmental program. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. We'll also probably talk some women's sports in there as well. Just any odds and ends. We're going to have a nice, fun episode during the bye week. Um, wreck them, and let's, let's keep our eyes peeled.